This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to episode number 14 of Double Tap for Monday, the 19th of September, 2022. Today, we're back into your feedback. I've got some news to share. And we're talking accessible gaming again. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Do you know what? I am excited today. I am happy. I, uh, I, I, do you know what? Well, stop I, it. I don't I, like it. Okay, I'm going to tell you why, right? We're going to get right into this. The news. Yes, right into Ooh. the news, because uh, the yes. big news is I have a parcel in my hand. A parcel in my no. hand. Wait. Yes. Now, you might have noticed, if you'd been listening, and I bet you weren't, but if you were listening to the weekend edition... Of course I was, yes. ...with I'm myself so- and Mark Athalalo, uh, you might have heard me talk about uh, a parcel that had been delivered. And is that I how you say it? Get, Athalalo. Athalalo. It sounds That's like a, a perfume. ASMR. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Aflalo. It'll make you smell, you know, okay. Yeah, uh, there yeah. you go. There you go. It'll make you smell okay. Smell of beards. Aflalo. It's lovely. Aflalo. All right, that's enough of that now. Okay. Anyway, parcel. I, I get a parcel uh, and I can't get to it because, you know, the weekend and all the rest of it and everything's shut down here because, of course, today is the Queen's funeral. So a lot of people are off today. A lot of businesses are closed, so I couldn't get access to anything. Anyway, thankfully, somebody delivered this parcel to me. I got it eventually, and it does contain, at least I hope it does, my brand-new iPhone 14 Pro. <gasps> no, poor And that's Hom. why I say this is... The News. Yeah, I love All pressing right. that button. Yeah, can we stop that now? I don't like that jingle anymore. Can we open it? Oh, I wait. Are we just getting into it? Can you open it? Well, welcome to the Double Tap unboxing channel. Hang on. Oh, do you know, I should have got my... In fact, I've got my thing here. I've got my thing. What have you got? On. What's your thing? I've got my um, thing that cuts I believe, things. I believe the uh, the uh, Americans call it a box cutter. I'm not sure about I think Canadians. they do call it that here, yeah. So this is a really a box cool... Cutter. This is a cool box yeah, cutter, right? Because it's got an retra- automatically retractable blade. Oh, I remember, yeah. Oh, no, it's terrible. You, know, you push the thing down and then the blade yeah. pops out. Don't put your finger yeah. near it or you will bleed to death. It's like um, a thousand pounds or something you bought. No, no, no. It costs like $20. It's nothing. That's ridiculous. I, I'll tell you something. I, I've, I think half my family have bought these. They absolutely adore them. Um, so, okay, I'm opening up. <gasps> Inside oh, here. Oh, smell oh, it. Oh. <laughs> Sniff the apple. Yeah, you can smell mm. it. It doesn't smell anything like an apple, but it is an iPhone 14 Pro. Yay! Hooray! That's incredibly tedious and dull. Oh, stop it. This is oh, great come news. On. It's exactly the same as the <laughs> iPhone 13 Pro Max that you just threw away. Um, I didn't throw it away. I gave it to my wife. How yes, but you didn't give it to you? me. Hence, you oh, threw it away. Oh, well throw it away. Okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah so I'm just yeah, going yeah. to um, open this up here. So hang on, we'll just rip that open there. And we've got another bit at the bottom. We'll just rip this open. Oh, listen to that. Okay, so um, you have to do the classic, right? So we have to do the... Yeah. Hang on, I've got the microphone low enough to do this. So let's see um, if I can do this. Will this work? Oh. If I... <laughs> well, that was... Oh. Um, 
<laughs> that, sound... that wasn't quite as uh, dramatic as I hoped it would be. Um... Johnny Ives would not have approved of that. <laughs> thud onto the table. OK, I've got it in my hand here. I'm not going to take the sticky paper off because that is, of course, criminal. No, no, um, no. Unpeel it. No, 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 no. I will tell unpeel. you. I will tell you something. These camera bombs are massive on the back of here. Oh, wow. they always are. But you know something? It's not as heavy as I thought it was going to be. Um, no, I'm not going to take off the... I'm not going to take off the sticky paper until I get my case unboxed. Come on, Sean, you've got to look after these things. Uh, this is okay. made by this is made by um, elves yeah. in, uh, in California. Yeah, that's what it says in the box somewhere, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I but here's the thing: Will we get the startup chime when I turn it on? <gasps> ah, see, now you're turn interested. You see, now you're Quick. interested. Quick. Right? Okay, yes. so let's turn it on. And let's see if we get the startup chime right off the bat. So I'm going to hold in the power button. Here we go. I'm going to say no. Um, oh. uh, is it on? Uh, I don't know. Is there a chime that tells you it's on? That's Very a good idea. Quiet. Someone email. What are you expecting? <laughs> you expecting it to chime? Hang on. Hang on. Let's see if it does anything. It's so far absolutely yeah. nothing. Well, and it is first time turning on. Okay, so it is on. But yeah, absolutely yeah. not. Now I'm expecting it to start speaking because it usually does say if Hola. you use voiceover. Tonichiwa. Yeah, that's right. It starts doing all that. Very, it's very quiet, actually. Hang on, let me see. Unmuted. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's exactly how it does it. <laughs> <laughs> all the languages of the world, including <laughs> Bristol, England. Is that where you're from? <laughs> I don't know. I remember, am, remember, last, remember yes. last week when I was talking to you about this and I said to you, are you from, where are you from? Are you from Bolton? Because I've just passed through Bolton on a train. Do you live there? Did you ever know, come yeah. from there? Uh, no, no. It was any any city beginning with B you went through. It's just crazy. I'm yeah, waiting for this. Wait. No, there's not any? a sound. There's nothing from this. It's not speaking at all. Do I have to, do I have to peel off the, the paper before it will actually yes, talk? absolutely correct. Is that what it is? Yes. Does it, is no. it recognize, has it got a sticky paper detection feature? Well, I think because can you see the screen? So is it lit well, up? I've got is the there... it's covered by this this the sticky stuff. Well, it's clear. It's not. No, it's clear not. Plastic. It's like a kind no. of a. I, don't, I guess it's white, is it not? It's just a white cover. I'm holding can it up anyone... to the, I'm holding yes. it up to you on on the screen. Can you see it? <laughs> if any listeners could ring in and let us know <laughs> what's on the screen. What, what's on my screen? Can you see it on the radio? No. Can you see it? No, it just looks like a little white screen to me i think um, it, i think it is on i think it is but it's not speaking what, it would normally say something by now but have you turned voiceover on enable voiceover come okay, on hang on right hang on just put, I've just put it down now well my dog is ha- unhappy and everything here oh uh, we're all mess. unhappy this is a disaster. the listeners this is terrible hang on. bear with us listeners this is our minute, first unboxing voiceover alert voiceover gestures oh. oh i've got to go through all this to go home yeah Slide yeah yeah. yeah yeah right, yeah. Okay. right so now there you're speaking Right. Yeah, well, yeah, turn the right. whole thing I, off. Turn it off voice and turn it on again. And now let's see if we get... Maybe it's a voiceover only thing. Oh, that's a good point. I know. I'm full of them. Voiceover gesture to go home. Okay. Anyway, right, this I'll is the, OK the button. Hang on, iPhone 14 Pro. Oh, hang on. Right. Double, double tap. tap to power off. Power off. Double there we go. Right. So we're turning it off. Right. You worry about this too. You worry too much. You, you, you know, you're th- I know what, what's going what, on in your what, head. What you're sitting about? there, you're panicking about Mr. F, thinking he's going to get in touch and say, what a complete shambles. 
this unboxing oh, was. Oh, I panicked then. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Mr. F, you don't pretend you're not frightened of Mr. F. I'm not frightened of Mr. Look, Mr. Well, F you, Mr. can Mr. come F. in here and he can say what he likes. Mind you, you have to go on a flight first and travel for about eight hours. <laughs> if he does that, I will apologise. Uh, right, OK, so let's, we've turned on voiceover and we're going to turn this phone back on again. Let's see if we get a noise. Right, here we go. Beep. Oh, there it was. No, oh, there it is. Oh, wow. That's... No, I don't think... That... Is this a feature of the phone? The dog barks? That's impressive. Here he comes. Be quiet, Google. Here we go. No, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing there. Oh, right. No, that was terrible. terrible. It's terrible. Um, Send U- it back. US and Canada only, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's probably only on the Max, no, my luck. Uh, it won't be on the Pro regular, you know. Uh, but anyway, it, there it is. I will be setting up. I'll be playing with it, testing all kinds of fun stuff. I mean, I think the one thing we want to really test awesome. on this is Dynamic stuff. Island. That's what we're all interested oh, in. Oh, I would love Everybody Dynamic Island. Everybody wants to go to Dynamic Island. Mm, Don't mm, you? Mm. It's my favourite yeah. place. Absolutely. I mean, it just, it, it looks like a little thing. It's very impressive. Yeah, beautifully put. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You know those shows that do like proper unboxings and they take like hours yeah. over it and they, they spend uh, all this time and effort. Yeah. You know, you should go yeah. watch them. Go go yeah. listen to that. You're not go getting watch that here. Unbox therapy. I, I think you know he's earned his forty thousand million. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that, we well, tried, that's the same though. numbers we get. You see, people love all this. Look, people love all this stuff. They don't care. Well, nobody comes here for facts. Yeah, that's true. Nobody comes here here for actual information. I will say this. uh, We have got Aaron Spelker joining us later to talk about accessible gaming. That's interesting. Uh, Again, I mean, your obsession with gaming, Stephen Scott, I mean... That's that's two guests we've had on now about accessible gaming. What's the matter with you? Two shows in a whole year. Yeah. Let's go crazy. Yeah. (laughs) In the 10 years or so we've been... (laughs) Podcasting together. <laughs> we've managed to two spend guests. two shows and he thinks that's too much he's like no 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 you've, you've gone too far um well look before we get to aaron because uh, of course it is an interesting conversation because he's not just talking about as as we did with sightless combat uh last week i think it was a week before uh we talked to him about the whole uh issue of uh, gaming with things like xbox and playstation 5 and the joys of that aaron comes to this from a slightly different perspective because aaron lost his sight later in life he really enjoyed gaming and he wants to get back into it as a blind adult. And it was something he thought he would never be able to do. And I think that's this is a really interesting conversation because I think a lot of people are in that situation. And I like this bit of the conversation. I'm not really that in. I'm not a geek when it comes to these games. I don't I really play you. them. I'm not. I, neither are you. You sit there. You sit there with your Amazon Echo what? playing the night yeah. manager night after oh, day night after manager. night. Yes, yes, yes. And it's a pile yeah, of rubbish. Wait, and you wait, cheat. Sorry. You've rang me while you're driving your virtual truck and I can hear the CB going in the background and you're shouting at the other virtual drivers out there. Brilliant. Don't have a go at me. Oh, it was great fun. Do you know, it's so annoying because we've, we've moved some stuff around in the home studio here and uh, my, my, the TV, the, seven, the 75 tele, inch <laughs> television that I use to play this game, that, sh- that says it all really, doesn't it? I mean, it's, it's actually so big, it's like the size of a truck window. <laughs> It's, it's it's bigger. It's amazing. It is, and you know that it, it's now covered <sighs> up with all my stuff that I've got for my for the TV show and what we're doing here. So I can't access that TV anymore. So I'm going to have to get somebody to come in to physically uh, move it somewhere else, and then I'll be able to play my move game it to again. My house. I could you're live not, in that. No, TV. you're not getting it because you've got 55 inch TV of me, and you're not getting any others because you can barely see that one. Uh, well, that's true. Well, I need a bigger one, obviously. Oh, clearly, yeah. 
That's right. Thank you. Shall we get some feedback? Oh, please. Yeah, let's start Sense. off. Uh, Ian has been in touch with us to talk about all things Envision. As always, Laura Kirker, and I'm so pleased to say this, reads our emails. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Laura. Uh, here is Laura reading out the email from Ian today. Hello. There's been a lot of talk about the Envision glasses, but there seems to be a flaw in the physical design which no one has mentioned. So maybe I'm making too much of this. From the description I've heard, the camera and controls are on the right arm of the glasses. That makes sense, since the majority of people are right-handed. However, that overlooks the fact that most blind users will have their cane or the leash of their guide dog in their right hand. Yes, there thankfully is support for voice commands with the glasses, but wouldn't it make more sense for the controls to be on the side where most users are likely to have a free hand? Thanks, Ian. P.S. Why does the podcast version of the show announce that it is an AMI podcast twice? Is that to make voiceover users feel more at home? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly why. That is exactly why. Oh, yes. it's, it's by design. It's not at all accidental. Listen, we, we, don't, Ian, we don't like to question Mr. F and his decisions, yep. so we just, mm-hmm. we just let it be. We just know that at, at mm. the heart of the answer to your question, uh, someone else is to blame. Uh, yes. And it's not us. And I'm pleased about that. I'm okay with that. Are you okay with that? Perhaps for once, it's not my fault. Exactly. So, hooray. We will pass the uh, information on, though. Why is it there twice? I have no idea. Yeah, do you know, don't don't get too smug, because um, I remember the day uh, that we did send uh-huh. an episode in, and I think it was you that did it. In fact, I know it no. was you that did it. And we sent an episode, and it was, what was the second part missing or something? I remember this. <laughs> yes, um, or was it backwards or something? I can't remember. <laughs> All of the above, yes. Part two was missing, and then yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I've, we've all made mistakes, Stephen. It's you live fine. and learn, don't you? Uh, no, I just live <laughs> and make mistakes. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. Uh, right, let's we get talked another. about yeah. this. Oh, so, yes. hang on, we talked okay, about the, the. Well, let's let's answer the email. I must have yeah, talk- I forgot about that bit for a second. Sorry. <laughs> We talked about this a couple of episodes ago, didn't we? About mm. the uh, Google Glass and it being on the right side only, and I thought. Yeah, I mean, yeah, absolutely right. It would make sense that there was a left-handed version as well. Um, I don't know why there isn't. It seems like a, a big oversight. Um, yes, yeah. I, I agree. It is a, well, I, yeah, I must admit, it's one of those things because you could obviously build it to really work on either side. I mean, I would have thought they would have just made it possible, maybe even with two touchscreens, you know, or even two sides. I mean, think well, about just, the Bose gives- frames or the... Or the the anchor sound core frames that have got controls on both sides. Well, just give us the ability to you know unscrew it and you know uh, uh, move mm. them around. Surely it shouldn't be that. Or, or or just choose when buying it to say, look, it's a left-handed version or a right-handed version. Yeah, but th- you know. then they got to tool and make these separate versions. If they make it that you could just pull it apart and put it back together the the different way around, then that makes much more sense. There's, there's another Come side. Come on, to Google. The, well, you know, there's another side to this argument, which is if yeah, you the tell them that. Side. Well, yeah. hey, very good. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. The other side, though, <laughs> is that if you say that, then we're all going to go out and buy new Envision glasses, new Google Glass, because they brought out something new. It's like, oh, hey, Sean, that was a great idea. We've just had a brilliant idea to uh, get more <laughs> money out of you. Um, no, you could take them back and they would replace them with the left-handed versions, although you would have to prove you were left-handed. No, yeah, it's doable, is what I'm saying. Okay. Okay, then. Fine. Uh, Right, let's get another email in. Good day. So, the iPhone 14 Pro is $1,400, Canadian, or $1,000, American, 
and the Stellar Trek is something like $1,600 USA again. I heard Jonathan Mosen give a demo of the iPhone using door detection, and the question I have is, is the Stellar Trek dead on the vine? The iPhone does door detection live instead of having to take a photo. It does people detection. The walking directions are good. Not that I have used a Stellar Trek, but I am willing to guess that it doesn't tell a person to cross the street so they are on the correct side of the street when reaching their destination. The iPhone is also $600 cheaper than the Stellar Trek. On top of that, you get a phone, an internet communicator, great OCR, a media player, all seven, and crash detection. For free if you think about it that way, and if you really are burning through the iPhone battery in a day, do you think you might be able to use a small portion of those $600 savings to buy a battery bank? This all makes the iPhone sound like a smoking deal and not a blind tax to me. So what if the SE doesn't have the LiDAR? The high-end iPhone is still cheap compared to one assistive device. Unrelatedly, the guy who wrote about not finding the exit in the bus station. If it isn't underground, just try placing a marker at the exit using Soundscape and give it a try. If this bus station is that sprawling, then it wouldn't hurt to try. Otherwise, he could try hiding an apple tage somewhere near the door. Or maybe asking the station staff for permission. Just oh, my thoughts. John. <laughs> Thank you, John. Yeah, I think, I think we were talking about an apple tag there. I think that was just to be a full day. I want an apple tage. I want an apple tage as well. Yeah, that's quite cool. Um, uh, yeah, so just on that, I, I think Soundscape... It, I must admit, I think Soundscape might be close to the answer, especially now you can nudge the markers around a bit so you've got a bit more control over them. If the GPS doesn't pick it up properly, you can move it to the location. Uh, I haven't really tried it, but I will say that I was uh, out in my uh, city centre, Glasgow city centre in in Scotland, just the other week, and um, it was really interesting walking around using Soundscape and having it tell me where all the the stores were. I mean, not just tell me the name of it, but you know, because of the, the positioning, because of that audio positioning beacon that goes around, you can get the sense of where things are. So it will say, you know, McDonald's to my right and actually hear it coming out of my right ear. Um, and then I can sort of turn around and, and go towards it. <laughs> of course you had McDonald's as an audio beacon. Of <laughs> was, course you did. Well, no, 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 no. This, this is not, a, well, this is the great thing. I don't know if you've noticed this, but you don't actually have to, all you have to do oh. is set it into nearby mode and it will just, as you walk around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It will just okay. tell you what's going on. I will give you that. Yes, absolutely. It's really useful. But the point is, and it was Callum, I believe, who was having the yeah, problem that's right, yeah. in uh, Bolton bus station over here in the UK. And look, it, some of these places are so big that they act as like a, a Faraday cage and you can't get any signal in there. And if you can't get the GPS signal to start with on Soundscape, you are sort of out of luck. And um, I think that was the problem. It's patchy in there at best. So mm. I'm not sure. But yeah, definitely. I mean, soundscape and markers and audio beacons is, is a great way to navigate. Going back to the point about the Stellar Trek, I mean, look, we're always going to have this argument, aren't we? It's going to be a continual argument about which is best. At the end of the day, I think the good thing is we have choice. I agree with you, though, about the cost. I think that the cost is oftentimes the the barrier, not just because of the high cost, even if you can afford it. If you if you can afford something like the Stellar Trek, wouldn't you think to yourself, wouldn't I just be better off spending that money and save even saving some money and buy something like an iPhone or Android device if that's why I choose? Because, you know, like like John says, you get so much more. You get the phone, you get all the other stuff. 
And yeah, just buy a battery bank. Get one of those MagSafe battery banks and stick on the back <laughs> of your phone and away you go. You are going to have to buy a higher-end device, though, if you want the LiDAR. That is that is for sure. So you're going to I spend more argue, than the Stellar Trek. I can't argue against anything he said in that email, though. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I absolutely agree. But then it all just comes down to the interface. You know, the um, was it Nathan we talked to who used that? Nathan Tree, yes, that's yeah. right. Uh, but... It comes down to the interface, you know. Some people just aren't comfortable or can't get on with the touchscreen and using the smartphone interface. So if you like your physical buttons, then, you know, physical buttons and amazing battery life is what it comes down to. If you think it's worth it, then good luck to you. I I, I honestly think if this was $500 maybe, then maybe uh, I could justify it a little bit more, but not at the current cost, no. Well, here's an interesting comparison, right? When people talk about the Blind Shell Classic 2, which comes in around, what, $519? I, th- I can't remember, something like that. So it's around mm-hmm. $500, yeah. 550 something like that. Yeah. You don't hear as many complaints from people. In fact, you know, we're hearing from people who've said, I've ditched my iPhone in favour of the Blind Shell Classic. Now, if that was $1,500, that's not going to... Mm. You, you, would you not be likely to say, do you know what, I think I'll just buy an iPhone SE? I think you're right. I think you're right. Price is everything in this. And it's not about, again, it's not necessarily that the people, because we often jump straight to, and I hear this argument a lot, it tends to come to, well, what if you can't afford it? Well, look, if you can't afford it, you're not going to buy it. All right? So it's as simple as that. But if you can afford it, if you can stump up the cash, you're probably thinking to yourself, do I want to spend my money on this for this one thing? That's the problem, I think. So, you know, it's a different yeah. conversation. I think we have to have it as a serious conversation. You know, and you look at the Blind Show Classic, I think the reason it is so popular is, yes, it is a great device and it is, but you can actually get to that conversation because the price is more affordable. It's in line with other exactly. similar devices. I think that's the point, That's right? the point, yeah, yeah. Like like um, uh, John said, I think it was the, the blind ta- tax, I should say. Well, I said the that, blind yeah, tax. I said that. And I think there is a, I think there is a blind tax. Yeah, I really do. I think absolutely. there is one of these devices. Uh, listen, Greg's been in touch from Pennsylvania, or as we like to call him now, Pennsylvania Greg. Pennsylvania Greg. Um, yeah, he's been in touch about GPS and our comments and understanding of GPS. Hello, Tappers. You guys seem to be confused about what i5 dual frequency GPS is and how it works. First, Probably. you should be aware that a number of Android phones have had this feature since about 2018. The L1 GPS is the frequency used by the original 31 US GPS satellites at commercial resolution. It is subject to poor reception by overhead obstacles such as large trees and tall buildings, giving that urban canyon effect. The L5 frequency connects to 17 newer satellites that is less susceptible to this effect, but as there are fewer satellites, using both together will likely give better results than either alone. This is not the same as the super-accurate military precision frequencies. Greg, in Pennsylvania. Thank you, Greg. Um, I'm glad you explained that, because I, I must admit, I'm still completely confused. That's exactly confused. what we said. No, no, is no. It? That's exactly what we said, Pennsylvania, Greg. I don't know how you missed it, but basically you're repeating <laughs> our exact words there. Uh, yes. Has he just transcribed the show for us and, and just basically so. read it back? Okay, fine. I understand. <laughs> um, yeah, it happens. Um I don't know. I mean, look, we'll try it, right? Well, I, the Apple Watch Ultra is due to arrive in my hands this week, so we'll get no, a chance to play with it. The point is that the people are saying, oh, this is, is this going to be more accurate? And the, the general rule is, no, absolutely not. We're not, we don't have access to the, the, any more accuracy than it is currently. 
Um, it is what it is. Maybe you'll get a better connection, but you're not going to get you know inch by inch. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's. I suppose the the equivalent would be the suggestion could be that if you bought, um, I don't know, you put more Wi-Fi mesh discs around your home, oh. you'll get a better and faster internet connection. The truth is, you don't. You just get the connection that's available to you better. Yeah, I yeah, guess a more reliable connection. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely. Actually, that was a good analogy. No, well, well, thank you. you. Thank you. Ah, is, I is think that, should wrap up. Yeah, is, is that... Uh, Let's go on. The news. Yeah, there you go. The, the news is Stephen <laughs> came up no with a decent analogy. And we've no other jingles. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, <sighs> let's get another email in. Uh, this comes from Gordon, and it follows on the conversation we've been having about in-home displays for uh, smart meters. Hi, guys. It's Gordon again. Regarding the request for a demo of an accessible in-home display, I have one of these and thought I should pass on some information. My energy supplier is SSE, and they did have a team who knew about these displays. I had it installed a couple of years ago along with my smart meters. It's quite handy, especially for telling you current energy consumption, but it does have some issues. The main problem is that it connects via radio signal with the smart meter and has a very short range. It can lose connection if not close to the meter and with no obstacles in the way, such as doors and walls. In my house, this was not very practical, so I've ended up having it upstairs directly above the meter. It does lose connection sometimes, then I need to move it downstairs and place it on the floor in the hall where it is very close to the meter. Once it regains connection, I move it back out of the way. Initially, I had a lot of trouble with the connection and had a lot of phone calls with SSE, who sometimes needed to do a forced remote restart to get it working again. Fortunately, fingers crossed, this has not happened for a long while now. I hope it doesn't, because SSE has shut down their Scottish call centre and calls are now routed to somewhere in Asia, where the staff don't seem to have much clue about accessibility. <laughs> I also use the SSE app, which is fully accessible. This does not give current energy use, but does provide a daily total of what was used on previous days. To be perfectly honest, I think the app is more of use than the in-home display. The IHD does have figures of previous usage, but it tends to read them all out in a long list which cannot be navigated. These days, I only use the IHD to check on current energy usage so that I can panic about the cost and run around the house switching things off. <laughs> I'm not saying the IHD is of no use, because it is certainly helpful if your energy supplier does not have an accessible app, but these devices do come with their own problems, and I'd say try the app first. I hope that is of interest. All the best, Gordon. Wow, I think that's very helpful, actually. And, you know, just getting your sort of hands-on experience and learning about that, I think that's really important. I mean, there you go. There's a good example of how something specialist can kind of, you think is going to be the answer to everything, and it turns out it isn't. Actually, the application gives you more information and gives you the information you want and you know, you're able to navigate that information better rather than on oh, a device absolutely. which just reads the whole thing out and it's like, well, okay, what does that mean? Well, that's the beauty of the smartphone, though. It's like the universal interface to every smart thing, right? It'd be fantastic if we could use that for everything. But, you know, some people don't have smartphones or don't want smartphones or whatever, or the app is inaccessible. So that's where the um, the accessible hub comes in, HUD. Um, yeah, about the radio connection, that seems really... I'm going to use the term short-sighted here. I hey, mean, you know, well done. <laughs> well, a lot of people would like it in their living room or something. The whole point for me mm. of having that HUD is the ability to, um, <laughs> actually what you said, Gordon, I want to turn things on and say, wow, that costs that much. Let's make sure that's turned off most of the time. Or, mm -hmm. you know, you want to go through and see how much 
each thing. Because I, I don't have a clue, you know? 20 minutes in the shower, is that far too long? Or if I turn, like, in here in the shed here, I've got two studio lights on. How much electricity do they actually take? And that's where those real-time monitors are really useful. So, yeah, it's tricky, though. There is another thing you could do, of course, which is if you're concerned about individual power usage and consumption, then a lot of these smart... Like we were looking at the, and uh, we've been talking about smart power strips between you and I. You know, I was looking at the TP Link one. Um, there's other yeah. ones as well that, 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 you know, many companies do them now, but you can actually get um, information about the consumption of energy from them. And that will tell you, you individual energy, you know, for, say, a lamp or for a TV or for whatever's connected to it. That could be useful. That could be really useful. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Looks, Thank you again for all your feedback. Keep it coming. Feedback at ami.ca. Call us on one 803 4567 Leave us a voicemail. Get in touch and share your thoughts with us because uh, that's what this is all about. That's what our show is here for every day. Coming up next, we're going to be joined by Aaron Spelker. He's going to be talking to us all about accessible gaming from his point of view. As someone who lost his sight later in life, wanted to get back into accessible gaming, Aaron joins us next. Stay right there. Send us your feedback to feedback at ami.ca. Leave us a voicemail at 1-877-803-4567. You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. Yeah, welcome back. And we're talking about accessible gaming on Double Tap today. Sean, gaming again on Double Tap. What's going on? Clearly, people must be uh, good at gaming uh, out there. Uh, what game did you last play on a computer? Well, it's, it's so funny you say that, Stephen. <laughs> Actually, I was going through my external hard drive, which I have all my stuff on, and I was going through the PC games folder, which I haven't been in. It must be, I don't know, 10 years there was uh, Fear in there. Ever heard of that one? Fear. Oh. Fear, okay. an amazing game. Absolutely amazing. Portal and Left 4 Dead. Those were the last games. There was Call of Duty in there as well, but I didn't even try to do that. Uh, I did start up a couple of them, and you know what? It was really depressing. I couldn't even get past <laughs> the menus. So, uh, yeah, it was it was no good. But I, I used to love, used to love gaming, and it is something I feel I'm missing out on. So, yeah, I'm really interested in accessible gaming. Yeah, well, exactly. And accessible gaming can mean a lot to different people, right? It depends on the device we're talking about. It depends. I mean, smartphones are there. Uh, you can even play games, yes, on consoles, on PCs, on Macs, but also on your smart speaker. Different kind of games, clearly. I can't quite imagine Call of Duty on an Amazon Echo, but you never know, right? Um, <laughs> no. But, you know, here on Double Tap, we decided we'd do something different here in our new season, and that is talk to people who actually know what they are talking about. I know it's new, it's bold, mm. uh, but yep. we thought we'd try it. And uh, well, that's why we have uh, Aaron Spelker joining us here. Uh, Aaron, good to have you with us here on Hello, uh, Double Tap. Yeah, no, it's great, great to have you here. Um, so you're here to tell us a little bit about the, the state of the nation when it comes to accessible gaming, but maybe we uh, start off by learning a little bit about you and, and your gaming experience. Sure. So as you said, I'm Aaron Spelker, and I am a blind individual. Um, recently went blind about three years ago, 
and had been a long lover of gaming on all sorts of PCs and console uh, gaming. And I know some of the games that uh, Sean was just mentioning there. Um, and <laughs> when I went blind, um, I was really, again, kind of missing out on the love of gaming and playing games. So I went on a grand journey to find accessible games. And unfortunately, I really didn't find a good list of accessible games, so I decided to start my own list and created uh, Mobile Accessible Games, which is a group that is all about finding accessible games to play on your mobile phone uh, for those who are blind and visually impaired. Mm, very That's interesting. interesting. Yeah. Now, there's a. I'm a bit split on this one, Aaron. So I welcome your input on this. You know the games we used to play. You say you know some of those games I mentioned there. Fear, Call yes. of Duty, you know, people know Grand Theft Auto. Everyone knows that. Do you think we're ever going to get to a stage where those games are going to be accessible and we can enjoy them? I'm, I'm going right to the, the, the core of the matter here. Do you think yeah. we'd ever get to a stage where we can enjoy them like we used to? So, Sean, from context clues, I'm going to say that you were probably one-sided. Yes, yes, absolutely okay. right. Right. So um, I don't think so. Okay. In the way that uh, we played them as a fully sighted person, I think there's just kind of a, a technical barrier there. It's really not going to be this, exactly the same experience. Can and, and are they working on creating, you know, fully realized three dimensional audio based uh, worlds that we could interact with? Um, yes, and they're they're making some progress on that, and I think that's going to be, um, you know, a step towards what we used to play as a fully sighted person. But um, I think it's just going to be kind of near impossible to communicate all that you can, you know, with vision uh, that's going on in a, a Call of Duty or a or a Grand Theft Auto. Um, you know, just utilizing audio cues. Um, you can get part of the way there, but you know, to get fully there. Um, you know, I think that's going to be a, a very difficult challenge to to accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree. I just think it's important to manage expectations because I have heard some people say, you know, if it's if it's not the same game mechanic, then it's not the same game, and therefore it's not. We are missing out. But I, I think it's almost. I'm going to say it, and I may get some flat for it. It's almost unreasonable to expect the same game mechanic without the visual aspect to it i mean i've i played games where i've really been drawn in just by the audio so i, I think there is a, a there is a um a, a, an area here where we can absolutely enjoy the games but it is going to be a different experience i think you're right yeah i mean and really right to that point so i i was cited up until a, a little over three years ago and one of my favorite games uh, that I had played was Last of Us on the PlayStation. Uh, love that game. It fits. Uh, I think, Sean, you seem like you might be a lover of zombies as well, based off of some of the games oh. that you listed there. Um, <laughs> of so, uh, you know, I love that game. Uh, a post-apocalyptic, you know, zombie-ish type of world. Um, loved playing that game. And so when I went, after I went blind, they came out with Last of Us Part Two, which had all of those, you know, 60 accessibility features and, you know, Toted as a game that you can play as a fully blind person. So I said, sat down and I said, all right, well, let me play this. And I loved Last of Us. Let me play Last of Us Part Two as a blind person. And while it is a game that is fully accessible and playable as a blind person, 
it is not the same experience as Last of Us. You're, you're almost playing in, in a way a, a different game because you're missing out on a, a lot of that visual cues and, and the grandiose nature of, uh, of of the visuals that come with that game. Um, they're starting to introduce on console gaming uh, audio description. So they're starting to, Last of Us just got remastered and the, the cutscenes of that game have been, uh, audio description has been added to it. And that kind of, you know, brings a, a you know an amount of information to get more connected to the world um, I'm hoping that the next step is that they all add audio description to in-game play where I can be you know running around and maybe you know press the o button twice and it'll pop up with you know some audio description telling me you know you have a building to your right and you have you know a mountain straight ahead of you and you know just give me a little context clues of the world that I'm engaging in um, because otherwise uh, you know, it's kind of just a lot of ambient sounds and you, you can't really picture, if you will, um, the world that you're engaging with. And, you know, that might be a fault of my own that I'm still thinking in a, a vision type of world um, since I spent most of my life uh, in, in you know, processing vision that, um, yeah. you know, maybe I'm, I'm stuck still trying to do that and, and I should move away from that. But, um, you know, I, I think I'm, that's a little ingrained in me at this point of, you know, 90% of my life has been as a sighted person. Yeah, but but also it is a sighted experience for most people, right? I know that they're adding in the accessibility features that enable those of us who are blind or low vision to be able to play these games, but they are still inherently in a sighted world. And of course, there's a reality here. And I know a lot of people, I see this debate that exists and I don't get involved in it too often, especially on Twitter, because, you know, as soon as you open your mouth on Twitter, you may as well just give up. Um, but you know, I do see a big debate around easy mode or what is termed easy mode yeah. in games. And I'm kind of all for it, right? Let's yeah. make it as simple as humanly possible, right? I, that would suit me fine. But I, I see people say, well, you know, the thing is, it's not really easy mode. It's it's assistive mode. It's helping us, uh, you know, play the game better, uh, you know, because I, I guess I'm thinking about the practical sense of, a game, say a, a shoot 'em up game of whatever kind it might be. I, I keep going back to Call of Duty, but it's the the one I remember, you know, being told about. And I remember my cousin and I sitting down to play, and he absolutely destroying me every second a button was pressed. Um, but the reality is that for me, <laughs> playing that game meant that I couldn't. I mean, with all the help in the world, I wouldn't be able to keep up with the speed. Of, of that sighted player sitting next to me, you know? And, and this is where I find, how does that experience work? Because the only way it can really work is for you to play it solo so the game can slow down to, to accommodate, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, the, you know, people seem to get upset about it at all levels on that easy mode. And I don't understand when you're talking about a single-player game like Last of Us or if you're playing Call of Duty just, you know, by yourself in a single-player campaign. Like, let people just play the way they want. If I just want to press one button and get through the game, you know, that doesn't affect your experience. Now in multiplayer where, as you said, maybe, you know, it's not you, a, a low vision person who's trying to use all this assistance, but a fully sighted person's using it to gain an advantage and, mm. you know, almost kind of cheat, uh, you know, and that might be one thing, but I'm sure there's a ways, uh, you know, around that, uh, you know, to have, leaderboards for those using assistance versus leaderboards of people who are not using assistance or, you know, whatever the case may be. I mean, there's probably ways, ways around that to, to accommodate if need be, but um, you know, the, 
the visual nature of those console games is, is why I actually stepped away from console games and looked to mobile games, you know, mobile accessible games uh, as something that, you know, tend to be, or there are at least many games on a mobile phone that are not super graphics heavy, um, that are, you know, more uh, consumable uh, for a blind person because they're turn-based or they're, you know, more static type of games that are not, you know, graphically rich Call of Duty games that you're playing on your phone for the most part. Um, so there was a lot more accessibility of and variety of games that I could play on my iPhone uh, with, you know, some sort of assistance that, uh, you know, allowed me to, you know, experience gaming again in a way that was satisfying while, you know, again, for me personally, playing Last of Us Part Two was unsatisfying and again i think that had a lot to do with me trying to connect that to a vision experience that i once had yeah with that game john and i've talked about this a lot on on the show and on other shows haven't we we've talked about the the reality of um you know it, it, would you go out and buy a console to play a game like this and, and the reality is yeah it might be fun to play with and maybe fun to take part in and yeah it might even be able to complete it but then, then what, right? What then? What yeah. did I play? Uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. last so of us part two. A, Fair enough. Yeah, it's a big, big investment <laughs> for one game that you get to play. I mean, there's there's a couple other ones now, but yeah, yeah, you're you, I, we need a little it, bit more available to us before you're spending money on a console. Absolutely right. The consoles are still. It, it feels like we're right at the very, very beginning of accessibility on the console world in the AAA world, even. Uh, when it comes to games and uh, like you yeah I, I went to you know the, the the smartphone even the smart speakers and those it it does feel no let me rephrase that I thought it was a different category of gaming I thought you know I'm stuck with accessible card games or accessible dice games which I love dice world there's so many of us out here i'm sure who play uh, the he gets dice so world many game. notifications Aaron, I it's I ridiculous did. I mean all <laughs> day really- it's really good, but it's not what I class as gaming. You know, it's it's more of passing the time. But um, that all changed when I played a game called Audio Defense right. on the iPhone. Yep. Uh, for me, the, the game mechanic, I was spinning around, especially if you're using the, the gyroscope mode. I was spinning right. around, shooting zombies again. Zombies, there is a theme. You're right, Aaron. Yep, um, I told you. You love it. That It really dragged me in the game mechanic was absolutely amazing unfortunately it was all fumbled by the developer and and, and it went away right. didn't it uh, right. but um that for me made me realize you know what this could actually work that audio only experience took me back to those days uh, those days of the the first person shooters and it really dragged me in so it, it definitely is possible i'm just not sure if we've seen anything like it since yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned Dice World because when I first went blind, I was like, you know, out on forums and Google searching, like, what what game does a blind person play uh, that's accessible? And just Dice World kept coming up. And, you know, Dice World's a great game. It's fun. You know, it allows you to play with, you know, your friends and stuff like that. But for me, I was like, this can't be it. I mean, I, I, Dice, uh, Dice game is all I get to play. That's it. Um, so that, that was really one of the reasons I wanted to create this list because I was like, I got to find other types of games and I got to let other people know that there's more than just Dice World out there because that's the edge you always get. Um, and so, I, you know, I've reviewed over 100 games or just about 100 games now, probably about 20 different genres of games, you know, and that includes first-person shooters like Audio Defense um, that have been available to people. So there, there is a wide breadth of different types of games that are available to the blind community. It's not just text adventure games and you know dice games and that's it um there yeah, there yeah. is a, a quite a wide a wide variety 
that is out there and available. Okay, so right, I'm not a gamer, right? I talk about this a lot. I'm not a gamer. I, I just I, I think my problem is I'm not that competitive. I mean, if someone was winning, I'd be like, you know, good, good for you. You enjoy. You have a great time. I don't. I could care less. You know, if all the cars fly past me on the <laughs> in the racing game, I'm like, you know what? I'm just out for a nice drive. It's a nice. It's sure. a Sunday afternoon. I'm chilling out. Um, but you know, for a lot of people, and 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 actually, Sean makes the point about Dice World, right? It's it's passing the time. That's kind of where gaming is going, isn't it? And for a lot of people, that is that is what it's for. It's about passing the time. It's about a leisurely pursuit rather than not necessarily, you know, it being addictive in, in the way that, for example, a lot of um, parents perhaps might think about gaming for their kids. Um, for us, let's just say men in our later years, can we say that? Oh, steady, Aaron. I can best only apologise for him. In our best years. In our best, vintage. yeah, we go. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, you know, the thing about vintage is everyone wants to do it. So, you know, okay. that's the thing. Um, but... You know, when it comes to what kind of games would you see are out there for someone like me who might want to get into this, but don't, you know, I don't want to become, you know, I, I don't want to turn up at Comic Con or you know have you know have to dress up as a <sighs> dragon or whatever it is you do for fun. Um, yeah. You know, I don't want to do all that. I just, want, just want to know what people do. But well, uh, what, what's out there? Yeah, I mean that's the thing. I think there is uh, just about a game for every type of person. So you know, you. You know, you might not want to do competitive games; those are not not your thing. But there are, you know, single game experiences. There's, you know, if you do like text adventure types of things, you know, if you like reading a story, well, here's a story that you got to get to control some of the outcome by making certain decisions. You know, so that's not too competitive. Okay, so, you, so give me an example. Of, give me an example of one of them, then, Aaron, because that does appeal to me. These text adventure games. Okay, I'm going to give you a great one, and it involves zombies. Oh wow, well, uh, so one that like suits Sean as well. Sean's going to love it. Um, (laughs) So there is, uh, there's a whole platform. It's called Choice Script, um, where people can uh, upload uh, text adventure games. And one of the best ones I think that's out there is one that's called Zombie Exodus Safe Haven. And you live in a post-apocalyptic zombie world, and you are trying to battle for survival. And, you know, the game, you know, gives you scenarios that you, you know, pick, you know, your choices, which kind of change, you know, future outcomes and determines whether certain characters live or die. And it, 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 the other thing that's kind of throughout the whole thing is as you make decisions, it might change your relationship with certain characters or certain factions that you're either cooperating with or maybe decided to com- you know, compete or battle against. So there's a, a real agency that you really feel like, you know, I'm making decisions that determine, you know, my survival in this world and the community that I've started to build around me as I build, you know, the safe haven in this zombie apocalypse. Zombie apocalypse. Um, and the other, you know, nice thing for that the developer, this is kind of their second game in this zombie uh, apocalypse world that they've created. Uh, their first game was so well received by the blind community that he decided to make a character. You know, at the at kind of the beginning, you kind of choose what type of character you want to be. You know, what your profession is, what you look like. You know, and one of the things that you can choose is you can choose to be someone who's visually impaired, trying to survive the zombie apocalypse. And so, you know, certain things are impacted on your ability because you have low sight um, to actually survive. So, I thought that was kind of a a, a nice homage to, you know, or a nod to the blind community uh, to, you know, put us as the hero as opposed to the victim. You know I just, I mean? I'm just, I'm just imagining this, this 
character in this game, you know, has to go to a website to get information, and it's inaccessible. The website's inaccessible, so right, I'm going exactly. to die because zombies are going to eat my brains. Right, exactly. Or what's left of them. Right. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the um, the smart speaker uh, games? There, Aaron. Um, have, you, have you jumped into them at all? They do seem yeah, very shallow still, uh, but they, uh, there's a game called Night Manager, which has sort of taken off. Um, yeah, yeah, I've heard people mention that feel? one. There was, uh, there was one, I think, called Dungeon Adventure that I very I, I liked quite a bit. Um, but it was, you know, again, it was kind of a, a dungeon-crawling RPG, but, you know, it, it was a little shallow, um, you, you know, uh, you know, there could be more depth to it, but I mean, those are fun. I mean, the, the big problem I have with um, smart speakers is I, I don't stay in one spot, you know, like I'm kind of on the move and even in my house, I'm moving around. So to kind of mm. be tied down to a location is what, you know, takes me away from, you know, maybe exploring that more, um, you know, with my phone, I can, you know, be where wherever I am, the game is, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's yeah. whether I'm in my house or on the road or on a bus or on a train, you know, I, I can take that game wherever I'm going. So, uh, you know, that's kind of why I have steered away. You know, if you find yourself sitting in front of your smart speaker and, uh, you know, there quite often and playing a game, I, mean, I think there's experiences out there to, to play and have fun with and great trivia games. I'll do the Jeopardy game. Uh, you know, get my six daily questions of Jeopardy. I'll do that quite often, but that's, you know, a nice, <laughs> short, quick bite. Um, but to do a longer game, I just can't sit still long enough to to really effectively do that on a smart speaker for myself. Mm. Yeah, that's not yeah, a problem I for us, that. is it? <laughs> sure. No, no. You're sedentary. We sit in one you don't spot. Move. Yeah, you don't move. <laughs> I'm okay I, with that. I can, I can live so, with that. So some of us are in our best days. You know? Yes, I'm certainly past that. <laughs> I'm way past that, that's for sure. Um, you know, Aaron, you, you mentioned that you lost your sight recently. Um, I guess it wasn't the first thought in your mind when you knew you were losing your sight, but, you know, has it has being able to play the games again, being able to get back into it, has that helped? Yeah, for me, it's it's been great. Um, so I lost my vision, not over time, but very suddenly. Um, so... You know, the first couple months were, you know, just really adjusting and, and, and getting my feet underneath me. But, you know, once I kind of did that, I, I, I kind of looked around and said, you know, something's missing. Some some joy is missing from my life. And I, what is it? And I realized, well, it's been, you know, quite a while since I've played a game, which is what I did for fun and enjoyment and, and distraction. And so to be able to get back to, you know, playing games and enjoying a distraction and, you know, forgetting, you know, early on, forgetting, you know, the, the trauma of going blind. Um, and now it's more like, you know, just forgetting that I have bills to pay and, you know, things like that. But, you know, having a distraction has been, you know, very good for, you know, my general overall mental health. Um, yeah. I actually wrote an article for pocketgamer.com that was all about the benefits of gaming for, the blind and visually impaired community who suffers from um, elevated levels of depression and anxiety and, you know, social, you know, kind of interaction issues, um, you know, kind of directly related to being blind. Um, and that gaming is a, a good kind of um, medicine for that. It, it allows you to connect with people. It allows you to, um, you know, accomplish goals and achieve things, which, you know, you know, usually gives people joy and, 
releases endorphins and things like that that kind of counteract some of those depression anxiety features so i think gaming is a is a great thing and that you know everyone should you know find a game to play find something that they enjoy you know not every game is for every person but i think there is a game out there for every person you just got to find what what that game is for you and you mentioned that you have created this list of uh, games so where can we find that and if i'm uh, googling around where can i find right. it so uh, i have it on facebook um, i have a facebook group called mobile accessible games and out on that uh, group um, every sunday i release a review of a mobile accessible iphone game and i give a kind of a long form review that kind of tells you you know what is this game is it fun what is its accessibility features and if there's any issue with that accessibility, I, I try to tell you, you know, well, this is how you would get around that, or this is how you solve that problem, so that the person playing behind me might not, you know, quit early as soon as they hit a little bit of a road bump. You know, not, you know, very few games are absolutely one hundred percent accessible. Um, there is always some kink or some button that's not labeled or something that you have to kind of slightly work around. So I try to give the people those tools and tips so that they don't get frustrated. Um, and then on every Wednesday, I interview people, um, whether it be a game developer about creating an accessible game or an accessibility influencer or an accessibility advocate. Um, every Wednesday, I release a review talking to those people about the the state of accessible gaming and the future of accessible gaming. So those come out every every Wednesday. And that's all um, you know announced and posted out on, on the Facebook group. Um, if you want to follow kind of daily news about accessibility, I have a Twitter account. It's also mobile accessible games, and that's where I, I follow a, you know loads of accessibility people, and I kind of retweet you know news that they're sharing about uh, you know new games that are coming out that are accessible or new accessibility features on particular games. Um, so that's kind of a more of a, a daily news content uh, type of site. Yeah, that's that's absolutely fantastic, and you know I'm really glad you're doing the work because. You know, we need this kind of thing, right? I mean, for a lot of people, accessibility is around websites, it's about apps, it's about devices. But, you know, for a lot of blind people who want to do this kind of thing, who want to be able to play these games, oftentimes the resources just aren't out there because it would appear people aren't talking about it. But that's not the case. And and you are, which is, is absolutely fantastic. Aaron, thank you so much for coming on and telling us well, all pleasure. about this. Well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Sean, what a really interesting episode. I know it surprised even me, but you know, Aaron saved the show as ever. Uh, uh, absolutely, it just shows you the options that are out there when it comes to accessibility uh, and, and gaming. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, listen, that's it for today. We're back tomorrow, of course. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back uh, again tomorrow. Just a reminder, of course, our email address: feedback at ami.ca. Call us on the listener line: one eight seven seven eight zero three four five six seven. Catch you tomorrow. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-tv every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit ami.ca. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.